Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room. Okay, welcome to Ask Alex episode 129 on the 1 podcast, sponsored by americascardroom.com. If you want 27% rate back from americascardroom.com, Simply sign up for your account by clicking on one of the adverts or links on the oneouter.com website. Follow us on Twitter at oneouter.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash oneouter. This episode and all of the previous episodes are on oneouter.com website and via iTunes for free. If you want to send questions in for Alex on a future show, then the best way is to email questions at oneouter.com or you can tweet them or post them in the Facebook group. Alex, you're with us for episode 129, and just before I start, I want to say a big thanks to a lot of people over the last little while, like really like sharing and liking stuff and moving the links and that, and it's, I've noticed a little spike in listeners the last like three, four weeks, so people must be sharing it somewhere, and also we've had a lot more questions emailed in, it seems like a real spike. I don't know if people's over the January, February, March sort of start of the year slump that everybody gets themselves in sometimes. And now everyone's keen to play poker and get better, so they're uh, sending in the questions, or it's a byproduct of all these people sharing on Twitter and starting conversations and stuff about the show. So big thanks to everyone for that. When you at me and Alex in them, we always uh, take the time to you know say hi and any questions there, we we get them on the show. Um, Alex, uh, how are you today? I'm good, man. I personally think everybody's given up on their New Year's resolution to get that new body, so we're all back in the card room playing cards. So, you know, it's uh, it's good to be... Hey, guys, it's good to be here. It's uh, it, it's good to be... I, I, I This morning I woke up and uh, my stomach's hurting a little bit, but I think I know exactly why that is. And so I'm just going to keep... I, I'm fasting. I, I don't... I've tried to, I've learned uh, how to do the intermittent fasting. I start eating at 2, and uh, I stop eating at 10, and I've lost, I want to say, like 20 pounds doing this. Like, I, I just did this rap battle, and then I lost like 9 pounds. But now I've hit a new plateau, which is 200, and yeah, I'm trying to, I was like 220, 230, uh, like three months ago in Montreal, I was probably like 230, uh. 225. And uh, yeah, there's a picture of me at the WSOP where I am no less than 12,000 pounds. So yeah, there's uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it's been good like losing the weight. But yeah, today it finally hit me a bit. So if I seem a little, a little slower, I apologize, guys. Sorry about that. Yeah, that's I've I've actually been losing a bit of weight as well and keeping it off the last few months as well, which is great. And it's really been I I was in Hong Kong there for sixteen days and just drinking lots of water. There was no cravings for fizzy juice when I was there, and because you know, like when you're there and you drink water for a few days and then you get a little sugar craving, you go and have a can yeah. of coke and it literally makes me sick five ten minutes later, and I just go. I didn't even finish it. I was like, what am I doing? You know, like this. Like, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. What am I doing water. with myself? Yeah, so I just started drinking, like, some of the iced teas. And some of them, don't get me wrong, I've got sugar in that in them as well, but it was, like, natural sugars, you know, with lemon and stuff. So it was all it was all tasty stuff. So, yeah, I'm just going to keep it up. And, uh, touch wood, by the end of the year, I can sort of get down to something a bit more uh, uh, less, yeah. l- less ridiculous, shall we say. Um, yeah, yeah, you man. Know, and, uh, no, it's, it's going good, but yeah, we've had loads of questions in, and uh, Alex, I also I kept uh, when I was checking my emails and stuff. You've been hitting the Assassinato Coaching newsletter hard, and I've been reading them as well. And oh, I, good man. I read, I think I read the one about, I think it was what are you protecting? And there was a few really like sort of grabbing headlines, and I did read them. I've got two still in my inbox. I've not read or one I've not read yet. Like I flagged up. 
And um, yeah, so what have you been up to? I, I know you've been doing your lessons again hard, and uh, you got anything else happening just now? Any more webinars coming out or anything? Yeah, uh, you know, uh, the Master of the Flop webinar is coming together. Uh, I, I've actually been, there's been some restructuring here, and uh, that, that, that has definitely made it a little bit more difficult to get Master of the Flop done. Uh, I'm going to be, I haven't set a date for Master of the Flop, but I have 10 days set aside to do nothing but write. So I'm going to be in Queens. Uh, I, well, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going to Queens to see the girl I'm seeing. I, so yeah, I'll be out there. It, it's weird to say because it, it, to everybody, it seems like I got divorced like three weeks ago. Cause <laughs> you know, I, well, we I, know, I left we Costa Rica. I'm sorry. No, I was away to say, I, I, we all know like divorces, people say that it's like that take 10 years for an overnight success. I think divorce and breakups work the same way. It's like, oh, yeah. you announced it three weeks ago, but it didn't happen overnight. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. No, uh, I've, uh, I, I totally killed that relationship like four years ago. But yeah, so this is a long time coming. No, it's a, it's a dark, it's a dark joke. I'm trying, I'm trying to match Barry with like the dark British humor. <laughs> the dark United Kingdom humor. I guess you're not British. Uh yeah no uh, you know we uh we grew apart in like I want a little bit more than a year ago we I want to say yeah I think I was living on my own for about a year I want to say like a little less than a year cuz I'm watching like baseball season just started up and like for most of baseball season I was not that was really trippy opening day happened with baseball and it kind of hit me last year when this happened, I was still with my wife, and I, I was kind of blindsided about what was about to happen because she, she was the one who said, you know, that's that, right? Like at first, and then to be fair to her, I I look back and I realize I was not happy, dude. I was like 240 pounds. I wasn't getting skinnier. Uh, I kept there was just no time to work out. I couldn't really. To be part perfectly honest with you, I couldn't pursue my dream because not to not I'm not trying to say anything bad about my ex-wife, but she had different expectations. It was like when you get to you know six six thirty p.m. at night, most people in Costa Rica they they're done working. And to me, that's like the start of the second shift, right? Like I might take I might take a couple hours off, but I I I go till like one two in the morning. To be fair to her. She, you know, she wanted a, she wanted a husband that, you know, spent a lot more time with her. I, I wasn't prepared to do that. That was my fault. I, uh, I made mistakes. She, you know, she, she made some mistakes. I'm sure she'd tell you too. But yeah, it was like a year or so ago or something. Like, I mean, I was living alone for like nine months and then, you know, I've been out here how, you know, a couple months and then. So it's like, yeah, okay, it's been like a year since my, you know, uh, since whatever, everything got done. And it's like, but I still feel like if you've been a married man for like most of your 20s, like you start going out with a new girl, you're like, oh my God, I'm cheating, right? Like, oh my God, who's going to see me, right? And it's like, it's so weird to have to tell yourself, no, you are single now. You you may do this. In, in Yeah, I just like... I like New York, man. I love I love the East Coast. So yeah, it's co it's cool. I'm uh, I'm going out there, you know. I'm chilling with her. I've been, I've been I'm going out to the East Coast a lot more. A lot of the music I love is from the East Coast. I, I I notice a lot of the rap I listen to is from the South and the East Coast. It's not really the West Coast, and I I just really dig the vibe. I like the rhythm. I I really dig the rhythm of life. And yeah, I'm gonna be riding out there for a bit in like uh, a week or so. Oh damn, that's really soon. I gotta get my act together. But yeah, this last uh, last couple of weeks, I mean, I've been going hard with the. I did twelve lessons in three days. It was a little harder with the fasting. There was uh, there there was one lesson I, I was a little sick during, and that was the absolute last one I did yesterday. And uh, that one I didn't like because 
if you're going to pay me $200 an hour, it better be the best damn lesson you ever got. That's just how I think. Like, if you're going to pay somebody who just has a high school degree $200 an hour, that guy better earn that $200 an hour. That's it. That's my word. That's what I believe, right? And I had to, I had one lesson. I got sick for like five minutes and I had to like leave and the call. But yeah, you know, so it sounds like I'm pushing myself pretty hard, but that's really, I'm feeling amazing. I'm, uh, I'm dropping weight. I'm working out. I got, I got a good gym I just signed up for. It's open 24 hours. There's so many things here in the States that just don't exist in Costa Rica. And I'm so used to Costa Rica. Like, America is this, like, big, beautiful land paved with the go- where the roads are paved with gold now. It's like, oh, my God, I want to get something from the grocery store. It's 2 a.m. Oh, my God, I can do that. I can yeah. go down to the grocery store. It's open. Like, everything in America is just open 24 hours a day. And it's amazing. And then, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I joined a gym. I'm working out. I'm dropping weight. I'm doing well in my projects. Uh, got lots of videos coming out. Carlos and I are doing, like, a daily webcast on my Twitch where we, uh, we just talk cards, you know. And uh, people are really responding to that. And, uh yeah, I did my rap battle last week where I beat, I almost forgot the name of my opponent, Sizzle D. I beat, <laughs> I, uh, uh, I was five days before the battle, I did not have one thing written down. Like, one thing written down. And then, yeah, the bat- day of the battle, no choke, nothing, I won the battle. And nice. I think, yeah, it was pretty... You put it down a fast then. Yeah, I put it down to fasting. Yeah, that uh, actually I was not fasting that weekend. I was I was taking every edge I could get, which was like, all right, I'm gonna eat as much as humanly possible here. Yeah, Car- Carlos and I. So Carlos drove the entire time because I do not know how to drive, and uh, Carlos drove uh, seven hours to Fresno. We showed up. The, the venue, the venue, I guess, rushed them out. So I, I thought they had the place like booked the whole night. So we show up at like 6 p.m. I thought it was going to be one of the later acts going on. Like the event was over, so I had to do my battle outside. Like literally, we drove seven hours. I practiced the battle 20 times in the car. Every single one of those 20 times, I butchered it somewhere. Right? Like, and then uh. I get out the car, shake myself off, grab some water, walk outside, do the battle. I have no idea how, but it turned into a really good performance. I freestyled and shut down one of his like best bars. It, it was a really obvious bar, but I can't believe he didn't close the loop on it. It, it was one of those things. That, okay, he brought up uh, Meals on Wheels. Meals on Wheels is uh, this program where they bring you... Uh, they, 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 I'm not, I don't want to, ru- I don't want to, uh, I, I don't want to. got wanna... that in the UK, Meals on Wheels. Oh, you got it? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I just realized I don't want to ruin it for anyone on YouTube, but yeah, he brought that up and like, if you're following the news in America, there's a really easy joke you could have made. So I, I was able to get off a really simple freestyle. Uh, I seem to get away with more racial jokes than a white dude should get away with. But, like, it was, I, it was just a good time. I tried to just show up and be like, and uh, I, I was just showing up saying, you know what, man, just do this for these people here that they, this, is, this is what they do. They go to rap battles, right? They go to rap battles. So we're in Fresno. We're outside this brewery. Uh, and my big thing was five days before that, three days before that I kept practicing and messing up and messing up and I was terrible and the lines I wrote were garbage and I thought to myself you should just cancel right just just call the dude pay the rapper you know pay the other guy like $150 uh say I'm sorry I wasted your time and then I I thought about it I thought you know what would a man from like the 50s who saw me think right now and I was thinking, man, you're, you're, no, you're no kind of guy if you don't finish what you start, right? So I just, I said, just go out there and your job is just to get through your bars and provide a battle. If he wins, he wins. If you lose, you deserved it because you didn't prepare. 
and just giving myself that permission to fail, I somehow succeeded. I, I, I ended up winning the battle. I was very casual during the battle. I was really happy. I was just happy to be there because the second they, like, they turned that camera on, and uh, I don't know if you'll be able to see it in the video, but we're just outside on the street with, you know, 30 people watching, 40 people deep, right? You don't need you don't need an amplifier. You don't need anything. It's just hip hop is one of those weird things that it can happen anywhere and like anything, and it's it's beautiful. And it was yeah, it turned out to be turned out to be a fun battle. And uh, yeah, you know, so I've been doing a lot of the lessons. I've been trying to get into the content creation stage right now. So a lot more videos I'm trying to put out. Uh, yesterday I recorded this video, Master Poker, in three minutes, and I just tried to make a three-minute video for YouTube about a topic, because everybody doesn't have time these days. Nobody has time for anything, so I recorded that, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to monetize this brand a lot more. It's honestly very daunting. This is not, I have no training in anything. Never forget that. I have no training, and I, I did not go as formal education uh if you look at my high school yearbook you probably will be hard pressed to find one picture of me in a 500 page document i was i checked out of high school to play cards so this is all new to me running the business and everything but it's really it's exciting it's exciting it's a uh, it's amazing man like you just you're allowed to go after your dream in this country. This is uh, you. You go after your dream. You're allowed to do that. And every day I get to work on my dream. So I'm really, I'm really grateful for that. And I'm really grateful for you, one outer listeners. By the way, uh, I really appreciate you guys uh, supporting me through everything. I'm starting. You know what, Barry? What's different lately is I'm starting to feel. I'm starting to feel like myself again. That depression. That. We need a different word. There needs to be two different levels of depression because I, I, there has to be another word for just when you're sluggish and not thinking positive thoughts. There's a, there's a difference between that and uh, my mom was watching HGTV or TLC or something. I don't know. They had a kid there who was like 600 pounds and like he was like crying. He rolled his ankle when he was just walking or something and it was... I was seeing that kid and, you know, watching his dad trying to deal with him and trying to help him not eat so much. And I was thinking, man, now that is some real depression, right? That is, you know, and he was saying, I don't know if I can do this over the next few weeks. And they were saying, what do you got to do that's so tough? He's like, well, I got to go to therapy and I got to lose some weight. And he like, he doesn't have a job or anything. And I'm not trying to judge the kid. To him, that was probably super difficult because whatever happened that caused him to overeat so much he's not doing so well right there's that kind of depression that to me is that is clinical that is you got to go to a doctor you gotta i went to a bunch of doctors just to make sure i was okay there you know they were saying no you know after a divorce you should be pretty depressed uh it, it was really interesting i told them i talked about this in some of the last episodes uh just so you guys know i wasn't like crazy suicidal i was just there was a part of me that was thinking you know if i croaked right now that would not be bad because you know (laughs) this marriage i put this relationship i put seven years into i could stop thinking about this uh this house that i'm probably gonna lose in the divorce which i didn't even to be to be fair to my ex-wife like i could have sat there and demanded more money and she probably would have given it to me but I I just felt like that was a really I I was really the one who was super work obsessed and neglecting the marriage so I'm not gonna I I made a lot more money uh, and she she she, she didn't do anything to get money out of me she she was like no I don't you know I have my job I have my career I have my business I, I don't need his money and I just, I said, well, okay, so why don't you just keep these things? You know, I don't, I don't need this stuff. I, 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 can, I can be in a hotel drinking hotel coffee anywhere on earth. And if I'm safe and I'm writing, I'm happy. Uh, so I don't, I don't need this stuff. And, you, yeah, you know, we were cool and everything, but 
I just was thinking about, man, this house, I, you know, I, I cared about this house. I love this house. I took care of this house. I built on this house. I cleaned this house. I took care of the garden. I, I did. And now I'm going to give this house up. And it's going to be, that's it. And uh, it's sad, right? And I didn't know how much I was going to see my Costa Rican family. And they were so sweet with me. And, yeah, there was a bunch of, you know, I started, you know, I started having dreams where, like, I killed myself. And I didn't, I was like, woo, that's not good, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I went, to, I went to the doctor just like, hey, is that normal? And they, they, they told me, yeah, that happens to most men at some point in their life. They, they will have just a moment where you wake up saying, uh, I heard, I heard a, a friend of mine said it like this. It's not so much you're suicidal, but it's, you, you wake up going, God, am I dead yet? I can't get through this pain, right? And it's only been the last week or two where I'm starting to realize life is pretty awesome right now uh, i get to chase my dream i was just in montreal making final tables i was just playing cards in laughlin uh baseball season is up i can just watch baseball all night and work if i want and i love to work barry that's what i love to do i love i love to work i love to analyze poker i love to write these are the things i love to do and guess and the the other thing i love right now no matter what, it's on me now. You know, if I don't have the body I want, that's my fault. If I don't have the yeah. business I want, that's my fault. I can't do that. Well, I can't work it out with the ex-wife when I'm going to be, when we're going to be doing our gym, you know, going to the yeah. gym and also, you know, there's a thousand excuses you tell yourself. The dumb thing now is now that I'm getting in shape, now that I'm buffing out my business, I realize, oh, part of the reason I got divorced as I was neglecting myself as a man and I wasn't being the man I could be in this uh, relationship. And if I had just stuck to my guns a bit, maybe I would have been like that. But it's water under the bridge. But what, what are you going to do? Can, relationships can do that as well. You, it's natural to get into you know a bit of a comfort zone and stuff. And then you, it's actually your own fault that you're not still finding the time. You're not making your health yes. a priority and working out. And because you're now in a relationship, you go, well, I used to do this when I was single, so I'm not doing it now, I'm in a relationship. So by the, the, the new variable here is you, like my partner. Do you know what I mean? Right. So you blame them, where it's actually just you not being able to go fiddle things around and make time to do it. with a, It's not really the relationship fault of the pit. You know what I mean? It's... Unless someone's really in your ear and giving you, like, you're not going, you know, you're not going to a gym because there's other women there or something. You know, if you're with someone like that or something. Whereas, like, because it's, yeah. it's like me. Like, I used to go to the gym all the time, like, five days a week. And if I missed a day, I would really, like, go the next day and hammer it. And, you know, just really, I, I got in decent shape from being big. And I got down. I was really, you know, healthy and happy then. Get into a relationship had a wee injury at the football before you know it like five years go later and you put on like three four so i'm just like real comfort you know and the amount of people i know in relationships and you meet them a few years later and they've all put on weight it's like there's something nice about that as well but there comes a level where you do you really can certain personalities i think you're the same as me alex you, you start to neglect yourself a bit and that makes you unhappy because you're like why am i doing yep. this now well, you, you know, got it. It's not really me, you know? Yeah, you. well, I think... I did a lot of thinking before I started dating again. Like, when I was out in Prague, you know, I had a coffee with a nice young lady, but I just wasn't interested in it. And, you know, there was there was things like, you know, I went, I went to the game concert. I was talking to a Slovakian chick out there. It was, it was chill, but I just... I didn't want to, like, date because I didn't want to get into what you were saying you know like yeah it was my fault i got fat in my relationship it was my fault i neglected myself and uh you know maybe my ex-wife and i were fighting a little bit more than we should have but i i, I let the relationship get there the the thing i wanted with a woman i, I i've been thinking about this a lot barry how, how do you not put on weight in a relationship well you got to find another ch I, I i found a girl that was just 
you know, she's a fighter, you know, she just wants to fight, like, she literally, like, fights and, like, kickboxes and, like, you know, like, scrapped and made it in New York on her own, like, I've known her since we were teenagers, right, but I like being around that because, uh, you know, just someone who's scrappy, like, getting the job they want, getting the jobs they want, doing the things they want, doesn't have to necessarily mean uh, you're crushing it because, you know, in your 20s, your early 30s, that's not really something you can do every time. But you got to – I like people that have stories like this used to be my block. This is when I, I was living two to a mattress to do that. And, yeah, uh, I wanted somebody who was scrappy like that and a little out of my league. So <laughs> I was very blessed to start dating this girl who was a little out of my league. You want to start working out, you want to know for sure you're going to work out as a guy, be 20 pounds overweight and date like a former model. You will find a way to hit the gym. I, I tell you what, like, there's a lot of days I go, well, and it's just always, I realize how stupid men are now, right? Because when I was a kid, I'd pull this crap, right? Um, you know, I'm a nice guy. I'm good to people. I, I treat people well. I'm, a, I'm funny. Oh, you know, why does this chick not like me? And now I'm realizing that's the exact, like, that is the exact minimum, right? It, dating this girl, I realized she, uh, she got to where she's at because she hustles, right? You know, like, she, she eats really well. She takes care of herself. And I was thinking, man, like, I love that because now, like, when I go to, like, I see the Mike and Ikes in the store. Oh, you guys don't know what Mike and Ikes are. It's a terrible candy, right? But, like, if I go to a diner and they're like, do you want the chicken fried steak and eggs for 10 years? I was like, oh, yes, and give me seconds, right? And then now these days I'm like, Ugh, give me the salad. You know what I mean? And even, like, Diet Coke. Like, I was drinking Diet Coke all the time. Like, uh, diet soda. I'm realizing, like, this crap is bad for you, too. Like, all this stuff is bad for you. And then... I start finally eating the way I should be eating, working out the way I'm working out, and I'm doing it for myself now, and then it's like, okay, okay, now my face looks skinny, now I feel better. By the way, I, I, somebody told me I look like Jim Carrey, like, uh, <laughs> once I lost weight, I was like, those are fighting words, like, we don't, you don't say certain things to certain people, and this is one of them, like, I should take you, I should take you to... A court for a hate crime how are you gonna tell a guy he looks like jim carrey like yeah man you look like a war victim like what what, what does that mean like i mean like jim carrey like that that's not nice that's one of those things like if you think about it you keep it to yourself all right i don't want to hear i look like you know, jim carrey looks like a cokehead like before he probably actually did do coke or whatever i think jim carrey was the one who didn't he pay i think i think dennis was telling me he paid uh Whoever his uh, ex-wife was, was it Jenny McCarthy? He paid her. He pa yeah, I think yeah, so. yeah, he paid her like five million dollars to be like, don't ever talk about anything you saw in this house. Like that is <laughs> that's pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy. You got to be kind of nuts. But yeah, okay. We does a good uh, just on that uh, YouTube search Jim Carrey. It's like a commencement speech or something he's gave at some university or some institute. And uh, it's really good. It's all about like his philosophy on life and stuff like that. There's actually a lot of good content in it. it was, yeah. I, I I thought of him totally different when I watched this. It's like twenty minute clip. It's really good. He is a genius. Like he is legitimate. He's also one of those bosses. He he was failing in Hollywood or something, so he went to the top of some hill and wrote a twenty million dollar check for himself. Yeah. And then he, he cashed it he, ten years he later. Wrote one, he wrote one to his dad or something, a ten million dollar check, Jesus. and uh, his dad cashed it like ten years after he wrote it or something. Yeah. Yeah, and that's uh, that's yeah. that visualization, man. I, I'm starting, yeah. I'm starting to realize that's a big deal. If you don't think you can do it, I, I, you don't even have to believe you can do it. But if you can visualize what you want, that makes it so much easier. Uh, I fight with my diet every day. I love sweets. I love salty food. I love American food. And there's a Carl's Jr. down the street, and I love my cheeseburgers. But i got to think about how do I want to look? How do I want to feel? How do I – and when I visualize that, it's really easy to turn down 
the cheeseburger, right? Because you realize, oh, it's just a cheeseburger. But if you cannot visualize that, if you cannot see that happening, your subconscious will not put it together. You, you will not find a way to do it. You will not discover the willpower at, at the last second. Let's get into some questions. Let's help all these new listeners. Yeah, it's, that reminds me of the podcast I did with Phil Helmuthel. He had like a quote that he lives by. It's like, I'm paraphrasing, but it's like, what you, th- you, uh, what you think, what you become. And, you know, is, and that is so true. It's like, yeah. even if you don't believe in some sort of like setting out some energy or intention that you then manifest something, just by thinking of something a lot in your head, you will by definition in your daily like habits, routines, get it. So if you're thinking bad shit or negative stuff, you will almost subconsciously or even consciously do behaviors that will yeah. get you to there. And you go, God, I thought, you know, this. Whereas if you're really positive and you're thinking good stuff, you will do little things each day. Then, And it might take a year, two years or whatever. And I think it's funny because you said, you know, like, oh, it's so long since you got divorced in a year. I think there's a real thing now, like, people don't have patience anymore with anything. You That's know? true. And it's like, if you go, right, you can go and do this and... That Gary Vaynerchuk, that's a book you should read if you've not read it, Alex, like crush it about... I, I, that is exactly what I've been stuff. reading right now, that is so weird you brought that up. Alright, oh, well oh that's a good book for people that, um, you know, like business and want to start things like that. And um, it's so true, it's like, he says a quote that's quite good, it's like, people underestimate what they can do in three years and overestimate what they can do in six months or whatever. Yeah. So it's like... It's amazing when when you what just you saying, sort of yeah. just submit, like surrender to the process, and then you'll get there. You know, and before you know it, you're there, sort of thing. It's like the time passes anyway, and people get this if they've not got it in a month, they give up or two months. It's like just if you enjoy it, it, it if it takes five years, if it takes ten years, who cares? You know what I mean? It's like right passing anyway. You know? Yeah, so, I. But y- the important thing is to be healthy and happy in that time as well, and that's when you're saying. Look after your, it all comes down to looking after yourself as well, and then that allows you to then help other people and look after other people, you know, sort of. I, you know, there's a few phrases that just went through my head. It's really interesting. You can live, one line can change the way you live forever, right? And uh, I'll give you a few, few of them. 3D Nazi, uh, I cheated on myself by getting into this relationship. And you can get uh, by committing to this relationship, right? And you can commit to this relationship with just lethargy, right? Just just eating crap and, like, watching sports. I love sports, but they're always on in the background, right? Uh, another thing was, uh, you know, everybody wants to go to heaven. Nobody wants to die. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you want these things in life... It's, uh, you're going to have to push for it. And, uh, there, and Apathy, another rapper, said they want, this is one of my favorite lines of all time, books, anything, but he said, you know, they want the whole earth, but they're afraid of the dirt, which is a, it, which is a crazy line, because, of course, earth means dirt, and it's, uh, like, I've never thought of that. They, they want, all, I think the actual line is they want all the earth, but they're afraid of the dirt. Which, of course, just makes it even more just amazing. And uh, if you guys want to check out that song, Apathy, Pay Your Dues, I cannot tell you how many roadside diners I have been in at 2 a.m. with half a cup of coffee looking like hell, four hours of sleep, thinking I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be happier because I'm going, I I was playing cards all night, going to play cards all day tomorrow, I'm going to write after that. I'm going to get on another plane. I'm going to do this. And I can't tell you, you know, I'm freezing in an airport in Montreal thinking I'm going to die. I'm about to get into a car of somebody I've never met in person before, Dennis Peterson. And I, I couldn't, I, I was like, uh, you know, work, just working for my dream, working at it in like dive bars in Europe, trying to relieve the pressure a little bit because I was, uh, I was so lonely back in the day on the European tour because there was no Tinder, there was no Facebook, there was none of that. There was no Skype, there was nothing. It was just, we, when we, we used to have to use calling cards to call our parents home, and it cost us 20 bucks for like a 17-minute call, so we didn't do that that often, right? So we, 
you go to Pol- and they, uh, the European Poker Tour, they did not schedule those tournaments for when it was nice out. They didn't do it in the city. So they said you're in Warsaw. You're not in Warsaw. You're 20 minute miles outside of Warsaw. And by the way, you're in there. You're there in December, right? You're there or whatever. You're you're there during. You're in Poland in winter, outside of the city in some backwoods place, and you're going to some like Shinsi. Uh, is that the word Shinsi? Is that that just yeah. means like cheap? Yeah, like some chin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some Shinsi Mexican restaurant. You got to be like, man. You got to love it even when you hate it. You got you got to love it even. It's all about the hunt. It's all about the hunt. I, I man, I don't do it for the money. I do it for four a.m. I do it for that feeling I get when I finish something. I go, that's my product. That's something I'm proud of. That's something. I know in twenty forty years they're gonna go through all this stuff. They're gonna figure out who the thinkers were in poker. Eventually, we're all gonna get designations like they have for like grandmaster and chess. Poker is gonna be that big of a game. And when they look back, I want. My na- I, I want so many of my materials out there. I want so much of this game defined by me, and I want so many titles. You can never not put my name in the record books. That's just what I want. That's my dream. That's what I love. And, oh, by the way, I'm going to publish another 100 books about uh, subjects outside of poker. That's what I'm going to do. And, yeah, and I love working until 4 a.m. doing it for the sake of working until 4 a.m. because a lot of people, I imagine, in Sudan don't get opportunities like these. So... You know, screw how I feel. I got to do it for them. Let's get into some yeah. questions. Okay, this one is this is quite funny. I'm just going to read these in the order that they came in the mailbox because, as I say, there is tons being emailed in in the last few weeks. All right. Um, this one, the subject is Stu Unger's cocaine. <laughs> um, so uh, <laughs> it's quite funny. Um, it's from Nate Costa, Alex and Barry, gentlemen. I just wanted to say thank you for all that you do. I found this podcast a month ago and I've already caught up to your most current episode. The dichotomy between you two is a perfect balance between life, family, business and of course poker, something we can all benefit from. I find these, pro- these podcasts to be empowering and certainly educational. Since listening, it has given me a certain confidence at the tables and in life. Thank you both again. My question, when having a 20 big blind stack in the middle stages of a tourney, should I be more focused on picking spots to squeeze? If I feel like I have enough chips to create fold equity for my opponents. The flip side of that is I also have enough chips to sit and be patient for a monster, providing it comes, of course. Of course, a lot depends on table dynamics, but given the right table's image of myself, I feel like either way. And then if you can answer that, I will go into the next little bit that you said. I, uh, by the way... I don't. Does he reference what Stu Unger's cocaine means? No, I've just looked here, and I don't. I, the next bit, I'll read the next bit. Alex, I watched a couple of your rap battles. Very impressive. Uh, who'd have thought that the skinny white kid could have packed such a punch? <laughs> well, well done, sir. I came up when rap was real rap, and you have certainly found the ability to pack a punch. Too many skinny jeans and high tops in the game these days. Keep up with the old school kick. Be well, gentlemen. Regards, Nate. So yeah, I don't know where this Stu Hunger's cocaine uh, it's is. A, it's, a bar, it's a bar from my first battle. It was All a, right, a, okay. No, I can't even. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I rem- uh, I now re- that's just rang a bell in my head with you. Yeah, that that was my. I did not need to tell people round one was over. Round one was over. The finishing line. You can. Uh, yeah, you guys can Google the source versus Assassinato if you want to see that. I just, I did something a little dumb before that battle, which was, I was so terrified. By the way, the source is like, this is like getting your first rap battle and going against Eminem over the last, like, ten years, right? So, I decided I was going to drink a couple five-hour energies, and yeah, you you will see the, the you will see the results of that when uh, you see this, but I, I have no shame. That was perfect for what time... It was, but yeah, as far as the 20 big blind stacks, his question is what spots we're looking for, right? Like if we, if we can, if we can. Yeah, in the middle look, stages yeah. of a tyranny, should I be more focused on picking spots to squeeze? Um, you know, uh, 
I think squeeze, yeah, rejam, yeah. I think especially these days you're starting to see raise sizes climb back up, which means you've got to be a little bit more careful about what you call from the big blind. I see a lot of people still calling. You can call a 2x raise with almost anything because mathematically you don't have to turn a profit all that often in order to justify that. You can't. That is, there is a big difference between a 2x raise and a 2.7x raise. You've got to be way more careful with the 2.7x raise. But these people are doing the 2.5x a little bit more flippantly, and they're not calling the re-raise all-ins as wide as they should. And this takes us back to uh, 2006, 2007, 2008, when you could just be this total rejam monkey and make a lot of money at poker because back then people were opening more than 2x, and then they... Uh, and then they were folding to big rejams with ace eight offsuit and stuff like that. They just and uh, especially if you're playing live, I find people don't want to make those big calls. I raised on the button. Can't remember what tournament last year, and a guy shoved sixteen big blinds. And uh, I knew the guy, you know, Spanish guy, and I knew he was jamming. I don't want to say anything. He was jamming too wide, but uh, I called with a six suited. He had. I mean, he had something goofy. He had something really bad. I can't remember what it was, but everybody at the table was like, how dare you call there? So there's still a spot for that. As far as the raise fold, I am really, really not a fan of raise folding from less than 20x now. And that's not because it, it's never been a profitable move. It was profitable for a while in No Limit Hold'em tournaments. I wrote I made an entire video, my first ever independent video, why Pisagno was right, was on this. But these days, I don't think it's a great, I, I don't think it's a terrific idea. And I, I've been working on this a bit more. If you're willing to get all in with the guy, if you, this is something I'm thinking about. If you, you have like 20 big blinds and you're willing to get all in with the guy, but you don't want to be flatted, what is wrong with raising to four acts? You generally, Okay, here's what's going to happen. A guy puts you all in, and if you have ace-queen or whatever, you're, you're, you're probably calling off anyway, and maybe you're forcing him to move all in with a weaker ace. I, I don't know. And uh, if he calls you from the big blind, there's, and now there's like 10 big blinds out there, and you have 12x back or 10x back, depending on if it was an 18x stack, 20x stack, and then you can just shove any hands. I don't see how that's a bad option either, and my equity couch certainly don't show it's a bad move either. The only time it's bad is if the guy knows he's got a jam on you on any flop, and it seems like 98% of players don't know how to do that. And if they do jam, they have something. So you, you could feasibly save some chips. I've been, I've been playing with raise sizes a lot lately. In Prague, I, was, uh, in Prague, I started raising to 3.2x. And people would go, this is always when I know I have a good move, when I get the Russian to go, bleh, 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 bleh. what is this? What is this? You play like this. You know, Alaska is part of Russia. You are a Russian. They're like, yeah, okay, cool, dude. Uh, but, yeah, essentially if I piss them off, I know it's, it must be golden. But, yeah, when I was raising the bigger raises, everybody – Three bet me are folded, and they generally folded. They didn't want a cold call. Whereas if you open to like 2.5x, you're, you're going to get called by half the table now. So here, the great thing is nobody can play cards. We've learned that in 2017. Nobody can play cards. Everybody plays cards to gamble, right? They, they tell themselves, I watched some training videos. You know, I've read a few poker books. I have a few more in my book bag because I, I, I guess they're going to learn through osmosis, you know, but from somebody like seeing them pull out the new fashionable poker book. They don't, they don't know how to play cards. They're not, they're not thinking about it. And uh, the good thing is they're not thinking about it means they raise too damn much and they don't call enough jams. The bad news is they call your raises a lot. So I think a lot of times I just do out-and-out -out jams because I'm starting to realize, yeah, shoving – Shoving 17 big blinds is not nearly as profitable as raised calling with ace-10 or something like that. But staying in the tournament, staying at like 20, 22 big blinds and looking for that big double up with a big pair, uh, that, that, that has some value. And uh, cashing all the time. I cashed in more tournaments. Like I have one of the worst cashing records. I have to have one of the worst cashing records in WSOP history. Like... When I was 21, 
uh, when, when I was 21, there was some article that said, you know, top 10 pros to watch in their first WSOP this year. And they were saying, oh, if you could get Alex off the beaches of Malta, he would cr- crush it. I think I have cashed in three WSOP tournaments out of 208 in the last eight years. I'm just horrendous. And I realized it was because I was doing a kill or be killed strategy in many of these tournaments. That's not a good idea because if you work very hard and you don't have to, there's many times there's a slight edge, but you don't need to take it. If you pass on those, you end up cashing in a lot of tournaments. And then it's like, Hey, check this out. They they give you money. Uh, Look at this. It spends the exact same. Like I can use this to buy my groceries and take care of my mother. Check this out. Thank you. Poker. So, you know, I cash in my first WSP main event, uh, WPT final table and all that stuff last year. It was a good time, you know, and uh, got another final table in Montreal and uh, not at a WPT. But in I think it was I was adjusting my raise sizes a lot. I was trying to think about my status in the tournament a lot, my stack size a lot. All the stuff that I used to scoff at 46-year-old guys doing, but I'm starting to realize poker is really a business management competition and uh before i was i was enron so yeah hope 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 that uh hope that answers your question sir thank you for tuning in i appreciate it okay and and now now you're tesla because i noticed you posted stuff about elon musk oh yeah elon but by the way top 10 guys i'm super happy are on earth and i would never like to speak to ever like i don't get the idea i would like elon musk like (laughs) Yeah. You just keep yeah. saving the earth. I don't need to see you, bro. But, yeah, yeah. Any, anywho, let's go. Yeah, interesting guy, but I agree with you. Um, okay, this one is from Adam Wandler. I was looking at my big, play, big blind per 100 and EV big blind per 100 stats, and I noticed a substantial drop-off when antes are in play. For the month of March, 7.5k hands, it went from 21 actual and 21 EV down to minus 6.15 actual and EV 6.78. Without looking through the database, do you have any good general tips for anti-play? I've tightened my early position ranges full to three bets and I'm still bricking most online tournaments. Any generic post-ante resources? I do not have generic post-ante resources, but what I can tell you is when all those antis are in the middle, you got to start calling from that big blind a little bit more than you're probably doing. Most likely, this is an issue of you playing a little too tight. So you have to, you have to go through it. You have to say, where do I play too tight? Uh, be sure to tune into my YouTube channel. I'm going to give you guys a lot of tips on, tips on this. Uh, go to my YouTube channel, Assassin Hour Coaching. I have no idea what I was doing with that channel for a couple of years, but there's a lot of great resources. Maybe some I shouldn't have put up there. You can check that out for free. And the, the other thing is everybody feels like, well, I've got to pick up my game now that the Annies are in play. And that, that's not really true. You need to develop. It wouldn't be the one-outer podcast if there wasn't some ridiculous distraction at some point. Could you, <laughs> can you turn that off, Mom? Oh, it's okay. Yeah, but uh, it's uh, there's always some sell or something. But yeah, uh, generally, I think you need to create a better strategy. And I think where that happens these days is taking advantage of positionally unaware players. So I think you've got to be asking myself, what is a value hand? Well, a value hand is whatever gets value from the other players. So it just has to be better than that one other player. So there's some guys, they open under the gun. I'm not playing ace-queen, off-suit. And uh, ace-queen suited, I don't even necessarily want to flat. There's other guys that open under the gun. And with queen-jack off-suit, I'm three-betting for value. You've got to figure out who's who, checking out their raise first in. You've got to take notes. He opened this. And you've got to see what they do post-flop. If, if they just go barrel, 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 you have to prepare for that post-flop and save those precious chips instead of just calling flop, that calling turn, and folding river, which is the absolute worst way you could play it. You need to make a plan for how they play each street. You need to see, oh, he checked back one pair. Well, if he checks back one pair, that means his betting range is better than one pair and nothing, which means he has nothing most of the time. I better check raise and put some pressure on him. And it, 
if you if you start studying, if you start looking for all these spots, and Lord knows I've put out enough content for free that I could help you get started for free with the Assassin Coaching site. You, you'll you'll start you'll start picking up with those antis. And by the way, this is also a very small sample size. I'm assuming you ran a little bad with the antis. You tighten up a little bit with the antis, and you probably ran pretty well without the antis. Doesn't mean a whole lot. Keep keep trucking. Okay, um, we got time for one more today, and it is from Ian Carey, and the subject is I want to gamble. Uh, Hi Alex, your book and videos are great, they have taught me a great deal. I religiously go over and over topics you cover, but one thing I'm still having trouble with is when people down the local poker, in open quotes, just want to gamble. Working out ranges, bet size and types of flops, etc. in practice is good, but how can you combat these players? And then he's got, after much study and practice, we memorize what people ranges should be and what they should call with, um, such as what they should call a raise with from early position or what they should call a three bet, but they don't, or what flops are good to see bet, range advantage, etc., but they call anyway. And often the hand goes uh, MW, so someone invariable, it's a multi-way. Sorry, uh, so the hand goes multi-way, so someone invariably hits their junk. People just seem to want to gamble and hope for the best. I know it's an old age question and understand we need people like this so we can win in the long run. However, does anyone have some general thoughts, ideas or approaches to this? Is it better tournament management, for example? Thanks, Ian. Is he playing tournaments? Is that what he said? Yeah, I think he's playing tournaments, yeah. Uh, it's hurt. Well... Two pair are better, my friend. I was sitting in uh, 2007. I was in some game in Germany. Jesus, Lord, that was 10 years ago. Jesus Christ, Mary and Joseph. Help me, Lord, I'm so old now. Uh, <laughs> I was sitting in this game with German engineers, and they, they were psychopaths. Like, I have never seen... I think I've seen wilder games since this game, game but I, I don't, mm-hmm. I can't remember what they were, and I'm guessing they weren't. This might have been the wildest game I was in. If I remember correctly, somebody just put in a thousand dollars with do seven offsuit. We weren't even playing do seven. He just wanted to show he could do it, right? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, I, I started. I, I told myself I, I was sitting there. I didn't have a whole lot of money. I was in Europe for the first time in my life. I'm 19 years old. And I was thinking, how am I not going to go broke in this game? And how can I take this fool's money? And I decided two pair better. That was it. And uh, I did do one hero call down that day with uh, like a second pair because I didn't believe the dude. But uh, most of the time, I was just, uh, if somebody raised, I looked at my hand. I said, does this play well? heads up with a guy or does it do better in a multi-way pot so I look down at like 10-8 of diamonds not normally a hand I would play if I was playing if you read the myth of poker talent you saw me say hey just fold this if somebody raises but if you're in that wild of a game and somebody raises 2.5x and you got another 100 big blinds back or you got 60 big blinds back but you know there's going to be 4 callers go ahead and call and uh, if that if that were it, you, there's a good chance you could make a big hand and bust him. Now, if you look down at ace queen offsuit, that's a little different. You look down at jacks, that's a little different, because this is one pair or a hand that could make one pair, and one pair generally does not win in multi-way pots. I would bet you most of your problem is you flop a pair and you you keep demanding other people respect that pair. You keep saying, "Why are you gambling? I have a pair." But a pair is not. It, there's different poker games, just like there's. If you watch a basketball game in Argentina, it's going to play very different than the NBA. Uh, when I play in Laughlin, Nevada, I don't get to play many hands because everybody's kind of crazy. And I love that. That's fun. So you just sit there, listen to your audio books, listen to your uh, podcast, uh, listen to your music. Or better yet, take the headphones off and actually get to know these people. And the more you talk, the less they'll realize you're, you're, you're a tight player. Try to catch the action. Try to do it casually. Oh, what happened that, Ann? Did you do that? And then if they don't answer, though, they're on to you. Just go, okay, I guess it's a serious game now. And, uh, yeah, uh, 
you 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 have these boards where you say you you're applying a system you're applying a system in a game that is very fluid so i'll give you an example there's if i have king jack austin and the board comes a53 and it gets checked you know i'm at if it gets checked to me yeah i'm betting that 90% of the time uh, or let's say I raise on the hijack with King Jack Osu, the button calls me, board comes eight five three. I'm I'm C betting that often uh, because I can do some things in ninety ninety five percent of the games to take away this pot. If I'm playing in Laughlin, Nevada, and nobody's gonna fold to me, I check fold maybe forty percent of the time unless I have some backdoor draws or unless I feel I know the guy a little bit better now or whatever, I do a lot of check folding at the beginning. Uh, much of this can be boiled down to entitlement. I've learned this one system of poker, and by the way, this is for you and me. I've done this before, so I'm not trying to rag on you, my man. But I've done this before where, hey, this is how I think about poker, and it's the right way. Why will the game not conform to what I want? When really, I have to sit there, and I have to realize... I am sitting in a social game that is played with money where people use their money, I mean, they use their savings, their recreational funds to play a game for fun. I am the jackass here. I'm the guy trying to take money away from this table, and I don't want it to ever come back. I want it to go into a house, a car, uh, my retirement fund, whatever it is. I'm the jerk. It is my job to get to know these people, to be as kind as possible, to make the experience as enjoyable as possible, and to curtail my game to their liking. So I'm going to take money from them. They're not going to necessarily know how I'm doing it, but I have to change my game based on the game they want to play because it's their game. It's not my game. It's, uh, this is, poker is for the guys playing home games. Poker is for the working man. Poker is a working man's chess. It is a great equalizer in that way that anyone can play any game for any amount of money anywhere on earth and you can always throw down and see who's got the best chops. Uh, it's a beautiful game that way. You're, you're a bit outside the social contract. You're not a maverick. You're not a cowboy. You're not, you're, you're not any of those things you want to be or I want to be. You're a guy trying to take money out of a game between honest, hardworking folk, and you better respect them and respect the way they play and change your game to take, to take the money from them effectively and do so in a polite manner. Yeah, it's that old thing. These guys, if they want to gamble, it's their money. However it's they do, their you money. It's to like adapt and figure you, it out. You do what you want. Yeah, you do what you want. <laughs> We've all been in those games. I remember, like, where I play, where I used to play the old casino in Dundee, it's like 12 miles from St Andrews, and when the Open was on here, like if St Andrews had the Open that year, oh. like lots, lots of rich, you know, American tourists, and we'd, they'd come into this casino, the casino, and the game was like 1-1, one, one, uh, and it would straddle maybe up to like, you know, a few, whatever, but like one pound, one pound, so it played the same as like a 1-2 game in, in the States. Yeah. And, uh, People would sit down, and some guy make it three, you know, and would go call, call, and this guy was just sitting, and he wasn't doing it to be like whatever. He was just like you say, he had a stack of chips in front. He'd won at the the three card poker, you know, table game in the casino. He'd won a load of chips, and he sat down at the the hold'em. The actual cash games were like maybe about twelve hundred pounds in front of him, and he sat, and he would just throw a hundred chip in, you know, like a hundred yeah. pound chip into yeah. like six into six in the middle and people were like oh for fuck's sake like what what kind of bet's that me what the fuck is that you know what's that meant to be and you know what and me and like a few of the other regulars we're like uh you want to shut the fuck up and let this guy just do that and yeah so we yeah and we can just go yeah i i call you know a race or whatever and it was that whole thing like playing and it's like when you say two pair or more i remember getting it and i saw him he'd lost like 300 pounds with like i think he called you know, it was ridiculous, Alex, like, to the point of, like, he called on the River King High, £200 or something, and it was, you know, right. he didn't even know what he had or whatever. And then I was playing this hand, and I got a 
set, middle set, I think it was Queen's, and we basically got it all in for like a £500 pot, and we turned it over, and the, it turned out I just cooler the guy. He had bottom set, and I had Oh my set, lord. And I was like, oh my god, like, I was putting it in there with an overpair or whatever, you know, against this guy, and I was like, it just shows, you know, even guys like that, you never know. Like, I was laughing going, fuck, that was actually just a cooler for the guy. You exactly. Know, like, set over set, you know? And, uh, well, the... yeah, but we've all been in games like that, you know, where the guys in it... It is frustrating something, but you've got to really take that approach that you've just said, Alex. It's like, wait a minute, this is not this guy's life or his living. He's there, he doesn't care if he wins or loses, it's entertainment. He's there to just blast it off or win, you know? And it's, yeah. it's, it's, that's his right, and you have to respect that. And just because poker's everything to you, or you love the game, or you, it's not everything to him, you know, and it's not his life. So let him play the way he wants to play, and just you adapt and figure it out. And, and po- there's, there's got to be a skill edge for there to, to find to extract the money, you know? And, and like, poker, po- I love poker with all my heart. I, lo- I love the game. This isn't real life. It's a, it's a game, right? Like, real people got real problems. And if you're playing a game, you're doing, you're going ahead, you're ahead in life. People, if you want to show me you're not a professional poker player, and this doesn't have to do with our email, I've gotten this email a thousand times. It's always from real nice folks because it, it is confusing the first time you play a poker game, and you're watching it on TV, and there's like one or two people in every pod, and then you play live, and there's seven people in every pod, and you you hit. Uh, bottom two pair and you feel like you got to fold it that is a very uncomfortable feeling i'm not addressing you people right now who are asking about that including this email writer but if you want to show me you are not a real poker player complain about the people around you if you want to do that the reason i'm always smiling and goofing around at the poker table is i don't think i'm the best i know at that table i'm probably the best chances are uh, I, I'm probably the guy who's put in the most work at that table. I'm probably not the smartest. Um, I'm probably not the most successful, but uh, I'm probably the best player. And I don't, I don't need to be trying to make other people conform to how I do things because, you know, in, in another 10 years, I'll still be in this game. And I, I know I'm a real player. I know I'm a real shark. I... I I'm taking people's money. Why would I be rude while I'm doing that? I, I, I got to treat them the best I can. That's part of my job. My job is to be a gentleman. And, to, and this comes to everything, how you dress when you walk into the poker room, how you talk to people, how you look, how, how you talk to the waitress. Are you, are you going to be a zero or a hero? You know, zero, uh, how you talk to the dealing staff, that's a big thing. You want to be the hero? Treat the dealing staff well. You tip well. You t- you tip every time you get a drink or something. Never ever take out your frustration on anyone else. When you get busted out, you need to be this good at poker. You need to triple barrel bluff with complete conviction with every chip you have. And if the guy calls you down, you need to shake his hand, look him right in the eye, and say, "Very good tournament, very good call. I wish you well." And you need to authentically mean it. Until you get to that point, you are not a true professional poker player. Okay, that's a good note to to end this one on. Wrap it up, um, Alex. How can people get in touch with you? You are doing the lessons again. You got lots of things happening. Your newsletter, etc. Uh, what's the best way for people to get in touch and buy some of your if you guys want to hire me as a private coach and hear me with a cup of coffee in me as opposed to rolling out of bed after four hours of sleep uh <laughs> you can write me at alex at pokerheadrush.com and we'll just talk shop we'll figure it out and uh you can tweet me at the assassinato on twitter and sign up for my newsletter at pokerheadrush.com it's takes about takes very few seconds and yeah you will get free content Practically every day. I missed a day yesterday. I hadn't missed a day in weeks. I mean, not weeks, but I think over the last 10 days, I think six free articles and videos have gone out. So, yeah, if, you, if you're enjoying the one-outer content, I, I'd highly recommend you sign up for that newsletter. We're, get, we're getting to work. Arizona's been very, very good to me. So, yeah, 
they uh let's get to work i'm hoping i can work with you yeah and um okay i was just thinking a really bad pun there it was that film raising arizona i was going to say raising in uh you went there you went there i went there i did it um okay but i've just had a 20 odd hour flight back from hong kong remember (laughs) so and i've not had any coffee either but i have had some iron brew which has got caffeine in it scottish drink that I'm going to get to Alex. I keep promising. I promised him for ages. Hey, hey man, I'm going to give you my address now. You have no excuse. By the way, now that I'm in the States, everybody's sending me free stuff. I have three, four free poker books over here. And, uh, yeah, thank you guys for all that stuff. I appreciate it. I'm going to send you some Iron Brew, and you're going to taste it and let me know what you think. And um, we'll, we'll, we'll do that, and we can get the review of what Alex thinks of Scotland's national drink uh, other, than, other than whiskey. I'll probably yeah. drink it with you in Scotland when I'm over there because I'm trying to yeah, do that yeah. uh, this year. Ah, oh, cool. That'll be good. Uh, I'll treat you to an iron brew. Right. Um, okay, uh, right. Thanks for listening, guys. If you want to send questions in for next week, then as I say, best way is to email questions at com. Or you can tweet them at oneouter.com. That's at O-N-E-O-U-T-E-R-D-O-T-C-O-M. Or post them in the Facebook group. Um, or even like message me privately on Twitter or whatever. Get them to me and we will get them out. There are lots in just now, but keep them coming. We, we, we do get through them doing the show every week. So just keep sending the questions in for Alex and uh, he will answer them for you. Uh, until next week, thanks for listening and cheers. Bottoms up. Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room.